What's up, guys? Max here, and I just wanted to give you a little preface before you dive into the content of this episode. Why the preface? Well, Logos recognized that once we had recorded the episode, we wrongly attributed the composition of his lyrics to Morgan Wallen. In fact, he didn't write the song. Turns out, Jesse Alexander, Mark Coleman, and Chase McGill wrote this song for Morgan Wallen, and he branded it under his name. Why the crap musicians keep doing this? I don't know. Nevertheless, we wanted to give proper attributes to the proper writers, and so here it is. Nevertheless, as the content unfolds and the topics that we discuss and the relevancy to Morgan Wallen's life of these lyrics, I think still is very relevant and still very concrete. So just wanted to give you a little preface and give respect where respect is due. Enjoy the episode, and as always, God bless. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Logos Podcast. This is Max. This is Joey. And on today's episode, we're going to be breaking down another song for you all. Morgan Wallen, Don't Think Jesus. Don't Think Jesus. Don't Think Him. Live Him. Stop it. Okay. <laughs> That's not what he's saying, but the title is a little deceiving. It's confusing. I was right? I was confused when you sent me the song originally. <laughs> But now I like it. It's a good song. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, and we think, so obviously Morgan Wallen is a very famous country singer right now um, in all kinds of circles. Um, He's hitting top charts. I will say he has some baggage to him. Some of his uh, past is is a little dark, I think. He got some Mm. some negative shade and um, his reputation uh, at some point in his career was was diminished. But I think he's made some amends for what he's done and he's trying to kind of reconcile himself and clean up his act, clean up his life. But we think that this song is particularly uh, relevant to the topic of like philosophy and theology because it's, we think, deeply Christological. Yeah. There's a lot it's, of Christological and good. Christian themes in it. So. It's good. Uh, maybe before we get into this conversation yeah. more formally, we should do what we do. Well, what, what do we do? Which is welcome you. Oh, yes, that's right. Welcome to welcome. Logos Podcast. Welcome to this podcast. Um, if you are new to Logos Podcast, thank you for joining us. We're happy you're here. We've been mm-hmm. praying for you. We've been expecting. <laughs> Is that going to be the joke every time? No, we got to stop. Okay, okay. Okay. Anyway, we have we do pray for our listeners, but um, we are. Catholic seminary and study to be priests in the Roman Catholic church. Right. And this podcast is about introducing you to the logos who became flesh and dwelt among us. Also known as Jesus Christ in the intellectual and spiritual tradition of the church that he established that we're giving our lives to. So we want to help you experience that. So we talk about things like music and art and different aspects of culture Movies, and yeah. philosophy, theology as well. So that's kind of what we're about. Yeah. Um, if you are already a fan or a follower of logos podcast and you would like to support what we do as you know by this point you can go to patreon.com slash logos podcast and become a monthly donor you can donate five or ten bucks a month or you can make a one-time payment too if you want um i was joking before this episode that lent's coming up and almsgiving is a big part of lent and not a lot of people know what to give alms to we are an organization you could give alms to and also to plug with that yeah we also put 100% of what's given to us back into the project. We hold nothing for ourselves. That's true. And so literally any little contribution you give us goes back into what we do, getting software, buying equipment. This stuff is not inexpensive. It's actually no. very expensive. And it's also um, a lot to have to do on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. So your support helps us tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. You could also feed the hungry or give to the poor or something like that. That's right. But that's that's all good things. So, but thanks for being here. Uh, we also have TikTok, we have Instagram, we have a website, YouTube, YouTube, um, and we're on Spotify, Apple, all the yeah, all the podcast platforms. platforms. Yeah, and so you can just like us on there. I think as as I said recently, Spotify had uh, some update 
that allows you to rate the podcasts in the channel. So please consider doing that. Give us a five-star rating. Exactly. Please. Give us a five-star rating. Like us. Tell us what you... And also, tell us what we could do better. We're always open to kind of a developing and, and growing our mm-hmm. art here. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, with the end, to bring you closer to our Lord and what we do and what we say. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. How are you doing, man, by the way? I'm actually doing really good. Um, yeah, man. Things to be seem to be falling into place. School is going well. Yeah, you know, family stuff sometimes, you know, yep. comes in. And, yep. and right now, uh, there's some stuff in the house that that I know our Lord is going to work, mm-hmm. work through, help us work through and give us the healing. Um, but I can't complain too much. Uh, my our Lord has been too good to me for me to be able to do that. And so, yeah, man, the weather's nice. Uh, nice. the, the seminary guys, I would say there's a, there's a nice spirit in the house, which yeah. is always really nice, right? So you live with these group of guys for a whole year and, mm-hmm. and you know, the spirit of the house shapes how you experience right. uh, the world. For and sure. so, uh, it's been really nice. It's been really good. So yeah, all around checks out. Cool. Yeah. It seems like all the guys here this year are solid. Yeah. I mean, that's been the case for most of my mm-hmm. years in seminary, but, um, I know there's new guys this year who I don't know super well, yeah. but they, I've met them briefly, a lot of them, and they all seem really cool. Yeah. I'm excited for the future of the church. I got to say. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think God loves us. You think so? And is taking care of us. So that's good news. Well, don't think Jesus is um, what Morgan Wallen says. Don't think Jesus. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, that's good. I'm glad you're doing well. Um, Super Bowl was last night. That's right. You guys had a chilly cook off. That's right. We did. Which I missed this year because I'm not at the seminary. That's right. But, um, it's okay, I'm, Joey. I'm sure it was good. Yeah, it was actually incredible. One team that made a bowl of chili had sirloin in their chili that's pretty high class dude and guess what out of i think the six or seven teams they got either last place or second to last place which <laughs> lets you know the standards at which we cook our chili or also lets you know how bad of judges we are and how underdeveloped <laughs> our palate is are you uh, are you so chili cook off teams get together throughout the week or mm-hmm. on the day before they make big pots of chili they do and then everyone gets a, a bowl, mm-hmm. and you go around and you try everyone's chili. Yeah, there's and a then, there's a group of everyone, judges. Everyone gets like one vote. Is that what it's right? So, it is? so there's uh, kind of a, a group vote. One gets each person gets a vote, but then there's also like a panel of judges who actually tries the different chilies. And so you get all kinds of chilies. We had like a dessert type of chili this year around. We had a green chili, which is like a chicken kind of a taco ish. Oh, ish yeah. but it was actually really good. Sounds really good. Um, yeah, I mean there was all kinds, and there was like. It's your classic chili. We had one with um, venison in it, so some deer meat. Oh. That was actually killed on the campus. Yeah. That was, was. incredible. Awesome. Right? Uh, so we work for what we eat, old son. Okay. Before we get into All right. the, the song, I just have to share with you the story. I didn't tell you this. Yeah. I took home tamales to my family. Classic. Who's never had tamales before. Really? Never. How could I have allowed that to slip? It's crazy. But yeah. like this this mom at, at our parish made a bunch of them, and there were leftovers, yeah. and I was headed home for dinner. So I was like, I'm going to take some, give them to my family. My family devoured those. Things, they loved them, bro. Dude, my dad was, my dad was eating the whole thing, like the corn no. husk and everything. We were like, "Dad, you don't eat that." He's like, "Why? It's good." <laughs> Fiber. I don't know. Yeah, it's off. Dude, look, he's not the he's not the first. Oh he's not the first gosh. white guy. But the I've seen trying to put a whole. So it's okay, man. Now they're like asking for more. Yeah. And, dude, which kinds you had? Do you have pork? Do you have uh, chicken, chicken green? Oh, oh my. Yeah, those are. I think those might be my favorite. I know it's a contentious point, but whatever. Okay. Anyway, should we get into the song? Yeah, let's do it. I do want to remark one last thing about the Super Bowl. Okay. Okay. Say one more thing. Chris Stapleton. Oh, yeah. Look, dude. So, and actually, we almost did Chris Stapleton instead of Morgan Wallen. Yeah. Because I really do like Chris Stapleton. I think Joey's grown an appreciation of him, too. I have very recently, and, um, actually. <laughs> his national 
anthem performance was incredible. It was very moving. In my lifetime, it may have been one of the best ones. In my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Now, Whitney Houston, obviously, is up there. Michael Jackson, I think, sang it at one, at one point. And I think he's up there, too. But this guy. That was so good. He was so good. And it's, we were talking. He's effortless for him, man. He's, he's just, just, just chilling. It's another day at the bar, just a little little jam sesh. Let me hit you with the G chord with it's the C so chord. Crazy, like he's not straining at all, even for the highest notes. It's like he's he's yeah. just so laid back. It's crazy. He had sunglasses on. What I was a like, gift. This, this is yeah. This is an American right here, if I've ever seen one. Yeah, you know. So that's cool. And then Rihanna. What's up with that, dude? What do you think? Let's talk about Morgan Wallen. Why don't we? That's a good transition point. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, okay. So this song is called Don't Think Jesus. That's right. And we're going to now, this this will be cool. We'll have the, the song and the lyrics up on the screen. So if you're watching us, you can read along, follow along, and then we'll pause the song and then talk about it. Cool. So it's a good plan. All right. This performance is from the Billboard. Music Awards from 2022. It's kind of cool he chose this song on yeah. the stage. Yeah. He starts a little flat. Yeah. Apologize if I start singing along. I do too. Right. I don't think Jesus done it that way. Hmm. Initial thoughts. What are you thinking? So obviously, um, and if, for those who don't know about Morgan Wallen, one of the things that's, I think, well known about him is that he is a great lyrical composer. He's written for several famous people and he writes like a crazy man. I think he's coming out here with an album of like 30 something songs. On oh my it. gosh. And I'm sure they're all going to be great and substantive. And so that's one of the things that kind of jumps out. It's like, okay, this guy's thinking about what he's writing and mm-hmm. he's, he's, uh, his poetry, I think is really good. But the first thing that comes out is here, there's just like dynamic of him recognizing that as a young man, as an immature dude, what's he doing? Chasing women, drinking, drinking whiskey, doing drugs yeah. and finding himself kind of, uh, at this halt in his life. He's like, well, mm-hmm. I wanted to do this and I've now done it as many of, of us do. Right. So like right. we want to kind of detach ourselves from family, from any social structures, from rules and mm-hmm. this idea of like being oppressed all the time. And we think that uh, pursuing kind of the city life, the, the, the pleasures life, of this world. Right? Yeah. So uh, somehow that's going to, to fill us. And so um, he goes to the city and he wants to live, live fast and go hard. Yeah. It strikes me that he seems to have been surprised that after writing these songs about whiskey and women and getting stoned that after his very first show, it's like, boom, yeah, all those things are readily accessible to me. It's right like, there. I got him. Yep. So maybe that means I've made it, right? Mm-hmm. You can imagine him having these thoughts. and oh. But then probably, it seems to me, quickly realizing that, okay, if this is all there is, like, yeah. what's the point? Because these things, women and drugs and alcohol, even though all my favorite artists always talk about these things, like, they're not fulfilling. Right. And so what's he going to do? He's going to keep chasing the devil through the honky-tonk bars, right? Like, trying mm-hmm. to 
trying to fill up more and more and more thinking that that's, that's, what's going to yeah. satisfy him. Um, there, well, yeah, go ahead. well, okay. What I was going to say yep. is one thing that stands out to me is this whole th- idea of conscience, mm. right? So the first thing he says is hometown said, I don't think Jesus done it that way. So he's, he's chasing women and drinking whiskey and getting stoned and, then the next line is hometown said, I don't think Jesus done it that way. So he's remembering the voices of those who raised him, right? right. Of his community, of his family, maybe. And he hears them in his mind saying, that's not what Jesus would have done. Like you're going off track. Right. So then, and and then fast forward down to the last line of this first verse, ignoring the voices in his head that say, I don't think Jesus done it this way. Right. So now it's not just, now it's not just his hometown's voice. Now it's the voices in his own head that are saying right. this. So I don't know. What do you think about that initially? Yeah. This idea of conscience and like what yeah. he's wrestling with there. Well, I think one of the one of the temptations, or I, in fact, I think one of the natural responses to some of the same, you know, quote unquote oppressions or laws or kind of uh, morality that's out in the world, we mm-hmm. see as we question. Yeah, we contend with. You know, we ask the question, is this a social construct? Or is morality just something that comes out of nowhere? Yeah. And is my conscience just kind of formed because this set of people told me to live this way? Exactly. I've right. heard this argument before. I've heard that yeah. the, the very experience of guilt for doing something wrong, right. it's totally mm-hmm. the result of a social construct. Right. It's completely <clears throat> dependent upon what I was taught, how I was socialized yeah. as a as a child, as I was formed. And then now for the rest of my life, those that socialization is going to be so ingrained within me that whenever I break one of those quote unquote rules that are really just social constructs, social yeah. constructs, yeah. I'm still going to experience guilt. Right. And, so and is that yeah. is that true? Is and that that's a question I think. Yeah. Right. So like, is it just a subjective? Oh, I'm Morgan Wallen, and I am you know my family raised me this way, and now I'm living this way. But they told me not to do that, and now I feel bad because they told me not to do that. Mm-hmm. So the question becomes: Is it just a subjective thing? Is it mm-hmm. just my experience, or is this is there something more objective happening? Right. And where does the role of tradition and family and community fit into this, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's one of the one of the big, big kind of themes that we're going to see throughout this song. He's yeah. kind of wrestling. There's this interior wrestling match between his boyhood, his manhood, and his freedom and conscious kind of mm-hmm. here wrestling back and forth. And then also ultimately, how does Jesus see him? How does the Savior see him? Yeah. Uh, how does Christ enter into his life? And so, um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a that's a major question. Yeah, and this is a. This is a common experience, not just for country music stars, but for, I'm thinking of any kid who goes off to college, yeah. right? And like starts having more freedom and being sure. able to experiment with different things. Like it's very, most kids go to college and w- walk away from the faith, right? This is happening all the time. So um, just to provide a little bit of clarity for the, like, what, what does the church understand by conscience, right? Sure. The, the conscience is the faculty of our soul that allows us to judge actions as good or evil, mm-hmm. right? And it's also the it's also one of the innermost places in our hearts that God speaks to us, yeah. right? So the conscience, it, we would say there is something very objective about it. There's, There's something that corresponds to our nature, to the way things are, that when we act out of order with the fabric of reality and the way that it was created by God, like that experience of guilt is not just something made up. Like it, right. uh, there's actually something going on there objectively that there is, there are real good and bad things that that we can or cannot do. And when we transgress the, what we call the natural law, right. That is written in our hearts. St. Paul says by God, by the creator, when we transgress that, we know it, we can sense it. Mm -hmm. However, I like the way you said that. Thank you. 
How when? <laughs> Anyways, you mentioned the, the, the role of tradition and the role yeah. of community. So what the Catholic Church also teaches is that our consciences need to be formed, right? Because we're we're born into a state of original sin. And we don't know everything. Like exactly. We, like just because I just because I feel that something went well or something went bad doesn't necessarily mean that is the case. Now, there is something, like you said, about the conscience in the person mm-hmm. that's like, hey, that's not good, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, that we should know and recognize, but part of the formation of what we would say the conscience, this innermost part of man that tells him yes or no, mm-hmm. depends on the family, depends on the tradition, exactly. on the community of people that raises them, which is one of the reasons why society, a proper society is necessary. Yeah. A, a, a function in society that's based on truth, goodness, and beauty and yeah. principles exactly. is important because again, when the child goes out into the world and he should, and the parents should learn to love the child enough to kind of push him into the world. Mm-hmm he's able to function within it properly yeah. and happily. And I think here he's battling with this, right? Yeah. He's battling with this kind of a idea. Yeah, because ideally the conscience in the family, in the domestic church, in the in the church community itself, in the city, in the country, whatever it is, the conscience is formed to be yeah. more accurately attentive to these objective moral standards that mm-hmm. do exist. So the question is, okay, Morgan Wallen, he's experiencing, you know, the life that he thought was always going to fulfill him, drugs, sex, women, whatever. Um, and he's experiencing this feeling of guilt. He's hearing these voices. So the, so the, the Catholic answer to the question is where are those voices coming from? Is it something objective or is it just the voices of his family? The Catholic answer is both, right? The Catholic answer is yes, there's something in your heart that's objectively crying out that what you're doing is wrong, Mm -hmm. that it's not, you're not living the way you were created to live. But part of the reason that your conscience is attuned to that reality is because of the family into which you were born. Right. Right. So, um, and obviously through it all, it's the voice of the Lord speaking through the voice of his family and the voice of his conscience that are directing him. And I want to read a quote by, uh, St. John Henry Newman that kind of defines, uh, the conscience. Yeah, there. please. As we're kind of, yeah, breaking down the stanza, he defines the conscience. This is St. John Henry Newman. He's, a, he's a Oxford University of Oxford grad, started a huge movement, was an Anglican priest, uh, I believe bishop, don't quote me on that. I think he became a bishop after he converted to Catholicism. Okay, so he became a bishop and then became a cardinal. Anyways, he he writes, he defines a conscience as a messenger from him who, both in nature and in grace, speaks to us behind a veil mm-hmm. and teaches and rules us by his representatives. Mm. Yeah, and I'm remembering Sam. How's Sam, by the way? Sounds good, dude. Just being as okay as always. Just yeah. Sam one time talked about he quoted uh, Saint John Henry Newman as saying the the conscience is the Aboriginal vicar of Christ mm. in the soul. It's like it's where God speaks to us. It's kind of like a compass. Soul. Think of like a compass is the analogy yeah. that comes to mind. It's like a compass leading us to mm-hmm. our Lord. But there's another theme in the lyrics that I think is important. Yeah. Okay. So conscience, we talked about that. Right. That comes out big. But okay, what's next? What do okay, you see? So, but there's also the boy moves to the city. Yes. And, and so, right. So there's a connection here. The conscience is in, in the boy. Okay. If you will. And he moves to the city. What is the city? Right. A lot of us, especially those who've been raised in more, maybe rural or kind of isolated areas, um, want to move to the big cities. The Chicago's big city, alluring. Baby. Yeah. New York is, is mm-hmm. the place to go. Las Vegas, you know, let's mm-hmm. go to Seattle. Let's go to Miami. You know, mm-hmm. like all these places are like, Hey, that's, that's a place to be. That's where it's happening. You know? Yeah. The city all of a sudden becomes the good that we desire. Yeah. And it's, this idea of hope. Oh, I live in this terrible existence. My parents are, you know, pissing me off because they want mm-hmm. me to wash the dishes and, you know, they want me to go to church. I don't want to do that. You yeah. Know, do that crap. I want to go elsewhere. Exactly. And so like the city becomes kind of this, this area of hope. This you know? icon yeah. of, yeah. of, and actually, okay. So our, 
it wouldn't be a Logos podcast episode if we didn't bring up Pope Benedict at least Obviously. once. But he has this great reflection about the city and its meaning. And he says, okay, why do people desire to move to the big city? Well, obviously, because there's something about cities that are very good, right? We wouldn't desire it if that wasn't the case. And what he says is cities are places of community, of life, of vibrancy, of energy. And actually, if you look in in the scriptures, like heaven, our destiny is described as a city, the eternal city, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, right? Um, So there's something in us that's made for that. Yeah. But Pope Benedict, as he does, makes this incredible observation that here in this world, in this earthly life where sin still reigns to a certain extent, cities also have a kind of a shadow side. Um, and he says that's reflected in actually this, the book of Genesis. Cain, yeah. the first murderer, is also the founder of the first city in the Bible. Wow. Right. So cities, although they're this place of community and life and, and energy and goodness, what is our experience in our, in our cities in, in the 21st century? I mean, there's incredible violence takes place in the cities. There's um, noise. There's incredible noise, noise, a separation from nature, right? Yeah. People are living in concrete jungles. There's, um, seems to be a deeper inclination towards sin and also a terrible isolation for so many people yeah. who live, come to the city looking for community, looking for life, but end up alone and, ho- and a, a lot yeah. of homelessness. So all these things. So just, um, again, this idea of here, Morgan Wallen wanting to boy moves to the city, right? He moves to the city. He's chasing something that his, his heart is made for. It's yeah. made for a community. It's made for love. Um, but he's looking for it in the wrong places. Why? Which is why he starts chasing the devil through honky tonk bars. Yeah. And here's the voice of Jesus saying, this isn't how I did it. Yeah. So cool. Let's, let's go down to this next stanza here. The chorus, right? Oh, yes, right. Of course. Let's do it. What do you think of that, Joe? That was really good. That was good. That was, that was high. Good. That's on up there, I got to say. Um, okay, so let me just read it one more time. If I was him, so if he's now he's saying, if I was Jesus, I'd yep. say to hell with you. Ain't no helping you. Find someone else to give heaven to. I'm telling you, I. this is what Morgan Wallen says. If I were Jesus, I would shame me. I'd blame me. I'd make me pay for my mistakes. And then he has this profound insight, but I don't think Jesus does it that way. Boom. So... Um, my initial thoughts are just these, these themes of justice and mercy, right? Um, Mm -hmm. and really with an emphasis on mercy right here, Morgan Wallen is recognizing his own sinfulness, recognizing that he's strayed from the path as so many of us do, as we do every day continually. Mm -hmm. And what is like, if, if I were God is what he starts thinking, which uh, how often do we think that it's like, if I were God, I would be, I'd be furious with me. Yeah. Right. And I wouldn't forgive me, but we have a God. Yeah. But we have a God who, who does. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. What do you, what do you No, think? Yeah. So like, I mean, one of the first things that comes out is, is like this, this idea of judgment. So yes, mercy and justice, mm-hmm. but how that relates to judgment. Um, and here is, who is the judge here? Well, Morgan Wallen is a judge of himself 
as if Jesus, as if he were Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's this notion of like this idea that the way that we judge ourselves is surely the we, the, the way that Jesus judges us, right? Right. We we create God in our own image, right? right. And so, but it's the other way around. We were created in His own image. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so here is like here's this tension of way I judge myself harshly. I judge others harshly. Mm-hmm. Therefore, God must think of me this way. Yeah. Now there is, and I think that we should make a distinction here in judgment, right? Because I think it's important in, in our popular media, we are oftentimes told not to judge. Mm-hmm. Right? Jesus says as much. Exactly. Right? That's right. And so, and so the gospel says it, therefore we live it, but there's a distinction to be had. Yeah. Right. Judgment, the negative judgment here that we're, that we're advocating against is judging the soul of the person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is the intention of the person? What, like, we don't know these things. What is the mind? What is the, the heart, heart of the, the person? Heart. We, we don't know. But there is also a positive judgment. Yeah, a necessary form exactly. of judgment. So we're rational people who judge things based off of our experience of things, based off of a community of people mm-hmm. telling us, hey, yeah, this is this, this is that. And then we act according to that judgment. So judgment kind of precedes the actions that we carry out in the world. Mm-hmm. And so there is, in one sense, yes, judgment, judgment of the heart is not good. Which is we're not allowed to do that. Exactly. We're not supposed to do that. But judgment of the, in, in the certain sense of the person. Well, of actions, right? right? Of the actions that right. the person carries exactly. out. Exactly. And so like we, we see a person doing certain things, we can assess, hey, I don't trust that person. Hey, that person, something, something's up. Maybe it's somebody that you love and you're like, wait, um, that person's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that person needs my help. Oh, that person's happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that person's happy because he's doing these things or she's doing these things. And so like there is a sense where like judgment is as as uh I think it's John John tells us ju- right judge sorry judge with right judgment. Right? Yeah, and it and, and in a sense this is actually part of the formation of our conscience, right? Yeah. It's being able to see moral acts that other people or even I myself perform and actually we need to be able to distinguish those acts as good or evil if we're going to be able to function morally in this world. Yeah. But what we can't do in distinguishing actions as good or evil is then judge the heart of the person who performs them because sure. we're all sinners. And if you ask me what Morgan Wallen here is doing is he's judging himself. Yeah. He's judging his own heart and he's actually falling into the trap of the evil one who wants to con- wants to convince him that because of his sins, mm-hmm. he is now, his heart is fundamentally bad. And that's a lie. That That is the lie, if you will, of yeah. Satan is that you're not worthy, you're incapable, you're not forgivable, you're not lovable. Yeah. That is like the central lie of Satan. And in fact, when you talk to exorcists, one of the things they'll tell you is that like those who are possessed are kind of harmed by the love that's coming to mm-hmm. them from the radiance of God because they're such in a dark, inconceivable place. The demons don't want to see the goodness and radiance mm-hmm. of our Lord because to them, love is, 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 is venom. But again, here, the lie of the evil one is that you're not lovable. You're not forgivable. But the Christian message is different. You are lovable. Yeah. You are forgivable. Even the, though you're a sinner. And, and the cross reminds us of that. Mm-hmm. But we also don't want to jump to the extreme here the opposite extreme. Exactly. Yeah. That like, okay, so we're not level, we're not conceivable. We're not lovable. But we also don't want to say God's mercy goes without responsibility. Right, exactly. Right? God's love doesn't make you culpable or doesn't force penance or demand penance and or conversion. Or call us to conversion, right. Right, so there's that's like- presum- That's the sin of presumption, right? We don't want to right. just, okay, God is infinitely merciful, so now can I just do whatever I want and count on his mercy? It's like, yeah. 
No, he's infinitely merciful in the context of a relationship with you that he wants you to grow in sure. and he wants you to take responsibility for your actions. Yeah. In, right. Right. And so, and so there's, there's this lie that I think, uh, Morgan Wallen is kind of feeding himself through these lyrics that we feed ourselves oftentimes in our kind of all our own dis- confusions and our own despair and our own kind of anxieties that God doesn't love us, that God doesn't want us. And so I'll always keep in mind here that the judgment of God is perfect, that we judge imperfectly, but that judgment is a part of the human experience. Yeah. And yeah. I, okay. And I just want to add this too, because so he is falling into this temptation or reflecting upon himself falling into this temptation of, if I were God, I would look at myself and say, you're unforgivable. You're unlovable. You, yeah. What you've done is too bad. But then what does he say? But I don't think Jesus does it that way. So like, this is the novelty and the really the inconceivability of the Christian message that yeah. is in fact true. It's that like, in that while we were still sinners, God sent his son as expiation for our sins, right? So like, people will often make the argument that, the Christian God religion is just a projection of the human mind into the heavens so that we're creating, we create the image of God and then we like pretend like we're acting in real. This is like Feuerbach. Yeah. Right? Just to like make us comfortable said. and to help right. us, you know, like remedy or inconsistency. But if life. that were the case, then the gods that we created for ourselves would be judgmental mm-hmm. because we judge ourselves. If you look at like the Greek gods, which were projections of the it's, Greek's yeah. mind, what did they do? The Greeks had to like appease the gods. They had to like make sacrifices for them. They had to, they had, they were like, they were ugly and like vengeful and punished. They, they punished for mm-hmm. sin. And like our God, what's, what's precisely so amazing about him is that we didn't make him up. And that because we make, didn't make him up, even though we think we deserve hell, he wants to give us heaven. But what does he want to give? How does he want to give us heaven? Not just by ignoring what we've done wrong, but actually reaching into our hearts mm. and cleansing us through yeah. his grace and through our action, cooperating with that. Exactly. Grace, exactly. Right. So as I think as Joey was rightly putting it's it's here is that the forgiveness is a forgiveness of the heart, mm-hmm. which necessarily propels us to act out of love right. for our neighbors um, to judge properly, to love properly. I think that's really the, the, the yeah. point here. I think, and then here, that's just a motif yeah. behind uh, some of the, the, the lyrics here that um, that I think Morgan Wallen's touch and known. Ready for the next stanza, homie? I'm ready for the next stanza. Let's do it. The next verse. I think it's a little jam sesh before the actual lyrics come I'm out. I'm ready to listen to it. Hate to stop there at the course, but that's holding. We're gonna stop. We're gonna stop it right there. Right as he was getting going. All right, what do you think? Boys all alone, got no one to turn to. There's that boy again from the first stanza. Yeah. Uh it figures he'll pray, cause what else could he do? Here he is, kind of hopeless. He doesn't know what to do. He's mm-hmm. judging himself. He's in despair. He's suffering. Hey, let's just pray. Whatever. Hey, this is the only thing I know how to do. Yeah. But it's also interesting because who taught him how to pray? I would guess the community yep. he was trying. Yep to revoke earlier. Mm-hmm. So here's a community again, right? Here's this boy that's isolated. So he thinks from a community, but then there's also the importance of the community here. So he continues. He says, I wish you would have woken me up an easier way. Yeah. Right. So he's fallen to his knees. He's kind of at a low point in his life. Rock bottom. And he's like, God, why could you, why could you do this? Why didn't you, you know, make it more comfortable? And mm-hmm. I was just, I don't know. It's just, to me, this is a classic 
St. Augustine, the classic kind of just Christian motif. Where does God want us on our knees? Mm-hmm. Not because he's a God that's, that's, that's submissive and wants us to obey just out of pure kind of power. Tyrannical something. No, yeah, it's but... because the lover falls to his knees. <laughs> in front of the beloved. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, the, the person that's in love with a woman proposes on his knee. Mm, you well know said. what I mean? Yeah. The, 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 the person who's in love with, with his dying mother falls kneel, to his knees and kneels next, next to her bed. and kisses yeah. her hand. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so here here here's this motif. He he's kind of down on himself, mm-hmm. if you will, like the heart is on its knees, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of explore you know, exhorting God, why? Why this way? Why did I why did I have to come to this moment before yeah. you woke me up? And he's doubting it again at the last line, but I don't think Jesus does it that way. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm thinking here, what I see is the, is the parable of the prodigal son, which we all know, but like the prodigal son who rejects the father who wanders away, spends all his inheritance on prostitutes and, and alcohol or whatever. And, and then is feeding on the pods of swine. Right. And then he has this moment. So Morgan Wallen says, boys all alone and got no one to turn to. He's got nothing else, nowhere else to go. He's got whiskey. He's got drugs. He's got women. He's got the city and they're not working. They're not working. And he's desperate and he's alone. And so just like the prodigal son waking up and realizing how many of my father's servants are, have more of their fill of food to eat. And here I am eating the pods that the swine feed on. Yeah. And so, like he says, it figures, it figures he'll pray because what else could he do? Right. Yeah. And, and there's, this is interesting because this song is a sort of prayer as it is. Yeah, it is. It comes, it certainly comes from a contemplative mm-hmm. atmosphere. Yeah. There, there's something in him. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Yeah, that that's, I wish you would have woke me up an easier way. So he's saying to God, why did you let me fall this far before turning my heart back to you? What would God respond to that, Joey? I mean, that's a serious question, right? So like, God. Well, if I were God. (laughs) So that's a serious question. Like how, why would God allow us to choose evil? Like, why would that even exist? I mean, the, the, what the classic answer? answer is because if we couldn't choose to reject him, we also couldn't choose to love, to him. love him. And God is not a God who imposes right. himself upon us. He only ever proposes. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was just listening to um, Pines with Aquinas and there was, what's it, Father Boniface Hicks? That yeah, 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 And he sure. was talking about- Oh, that book. Have you read his book, by the way? What is Prayer? Oh my, a personal I, prayer. Do I, I need say. to read it? I have a copy if you want to borrow. It's yeah. incredible. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. I read it last summer. But he was talking about how God, what God does is he doesn't- um, and this is kind of like what we should do as priests one day and what parents should do to their children. Like when we see our children going astray and we want to like reach their hearts and call them back to us, a lot of times there's walls built up around their hearts. And if we came in with a battering ram, it would just make them fortify their hearts even more and buckle down and reject us even further. So what does he, Father Boniface say that St. John of the Cross actually said is that what God does to us is he, he loves our defenses down. Hmm. He loves our defenses down. He's not going to come into your heart with a battering ram to wake you up. He's going to respect your freedom. He's going to continue, continue to beckon to you through what? Through your conscience, hmm. through that voice, through that aboriginal vicar of his that's in your heart. To that community, to those who the, love through you. the community right. that, that was given to you. That's how he's going to oftentimes propose himself to you. And so Morgan Wall is saying, why did I wish you would have woke me up an easier way? Well, God can say to that. Well, I've been talking to you ever since, ever since you left home, ever since you wandered on this path. It's like, I've been, I've been calling to you, 
but I've been respecting your freedom and now here you are. And in my providence, you had to come to this moment because it wasn't until you came to this moment that you would be on your knees Mm. and you would realize your utter and complete dependence upon me and finally surrender. So that's why he's like, I wish you would have woke me up an easier way, but, but he doesn't think Jesus does that way because Jesus doesn't, Jesus doesn't force himself into our lives. He, he allows us to, he gives us freedom, which is terrifying. And as, as we're, you know, going back to that kind of my last comment here on this section, going back to that prodigal son motif, what does the father do when the prodigal son returns? Yeah. He welcomes him. He's actually anticipating him. Mm Mm-hmm puts a ring on his finger, puts the nicest cloak on him, mm-hmm. slaughters the fattened calf, mm-hmm. right? He is his, see the proper thing for the father to have done would have been to punish him at least a little bit. Okay. Yeah. All right. You're going to sit out here. Time out. Right. Time out. Um, you've squandered money, right? You've blown our riches. Our, I'm, I guess the reputation of the family is hurt to some extent. Mm-hmm. You're going to mend a little bit. Yeah. The love of the father is unproportional. It is. It's to the to the to the sin of of the son. Mm-hmm. But again, don't think our father doesn't love you. The our our Lord, the Father, God, the Father wants you to come to Him. And even in this kind of even the song, as he's wrestling with himself, he's kind of somehow our Lord's grace is helping him find that gem of mercy in his heart again. And here's what's crazy is that so the father. It seems the father is not acting justly, right? So we right. say this weird thing, God is perfectly just and perfectly merciful. Mm-hmm. So if the father in the, in the story of the prodigal son, it seems that the just thing to do would to, before forgiving his son, before welcoming with mercy, it seems the just thing to do would be to actually make him pay for what he's done, sure. right? Let's have like, a talk, son, and we'll see how like we're going to Like you were just saying, yeah, like, you're, like you're going you're gonna to earn some of that money back that you squandered. You're going to do X, Y, Z. You're going to maybe... I don't know. Go to timeout, whatever. Um, but <laughs> grow man in timeout. <laughs> but um, but that's not what he does. He just showers him with his mercy. Yeah, he and does. so some of us might hear that and think, okay, well, that means God's not just because he's not demanding anything of his son, even though his son was actually in the wrong. But here's what's crazy. Now that the father has loved the son, an even greater demand is placed on the son than would have been placed on him if the father treated him as a slave who rejected him, right? Because a son who is loved by the father wants and needs to please the father more than a slave who's afraid of his master, Mm. right? So now this justice is manifested in that the son is going to pay back his father in a way that transcends what he would have had to do out of mere obligation, right? Which is, that's what our, that's what our God does to us. He does. Another thing too, this is good. We could talk about the particles on forever, but, and, and this is again, all related to the lyrics here we find. I mean, cause the, the, all of Morgan Wallen's lyrics in this song are this, this wrestling between justice and mercy mm-hmm. and the conscience and his freedom. And Lord, how could you do it this way? You don't do it that way. Wait, you do do it this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And one of the things that the reaction of the, of the father also tells us is that the mercy of God extends beyond justice by extending the mercy that he did to the son, it tells us something about the father. That his mercy surpasses all human mercy. That his justice surpasses all human justice. Yeah. And takes us into something eternal, something mysteriously merciful. And as Joey is saying, it prompts us to ponder that mystery. Mm-hmm. And as such, it, it really does propel us to, to think about how much his father loves us. Mm-hmm. That is, Unproportional sometimes to 
the sins we've committed and, mm-hmm. the, and the difficulties we've committed. Again, here, um, that's yeah. some of the kind of my last reflection on that part. We're going to hit the course again, so we won't elaborate too much because we already have, but here it is. If I was here, I'd stay to hell with you. Ain't no helping you. Find someone else to give heaven to. I'm telling you, I shame me. One more line. Nope. What's up? You sure? Oh, you're right. Play the last line. This is very important. Does he? Thank you. Well, he didn't sing the last line. That's interesting. That is interesting. I fear he would have. Yeah. We can talk about it. Yeah. It's important. Oh, he goes in another song right now. Check that out. All right, so okay. what is that last line? World likes to rear back and throw a few stones, so boy wants to throw a few stones of his own. But Lord knows I ain't perfect, and it ain't my, my, it ain't my place. <laughs> and I don't think Jesus done it that way. And then the last line that he didn't sing in this performance, weirdly enough, is, are y'all sure that Jesus done it that way? He leaves it on an open-ended question. That's mm-hmm. the end of the song. And actually, that's, I would say that that performance did did this, like the, at least the, the resolution of these lyrics injustice because that really uh, from a like poetic standpoint, yeah. that's like the, the closing prose. Yeah. That line kind of connects all together. Anyways, it is, it is significant. I think so too. Yeah. Okay. What are your thoughts about this last, this last verse? Um, world likes to rear back and throw a few stones. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't it like it's a scripture motif, mm-hmm. you know, whoever's without guilt, guy with first stone. Yeah. I'm thinking of the woman caught in adultery. Exactly. Right? right. And so there's this, there's this tension like, the world sees that he's made mistakes, uh, whoever it may be. And I, and I, if I had to guess to some extent, it may have done with, um, some of the difficulties he had in his career. Um, kind of some of the context, you know, um, the world's throwing stuff at him, hurting mm-hmm. him, trying to ruin his reputation, trying to cancel him, trying to hurt him. Mm-hmm. And so what does he want to do? What does Morgan Wall want to do? What does a boy want to do? He wants to throw stones right back. Yeah, he does. He wants to fight back. That's that's justice right there. Why are they judging me? You know what I mean? They're they're hurting me. Why can't I hurt them? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's that's it. And eye for an eye, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and that's that's kind of the response here that that he wants to give back. Um, uh, And I think part of it is we see that maybe like the world is violent and ugly, Mm -hmm. and even at our best, sorry, even at our worst, um, we expect forgiveness, and even at our best, people seem to judge us. Yeah, so it's like now he's he's start he's begun the process of reconciling himself with God, yeah. right? But now he's got to confront the world. So God's forgiven him. Yeah. But now he's looking at the world and the world is like, you're a sinner, dude. You're a we're going to throw stones at you. And so what's his response? Well, I want to I'm going to I'm going to fight back. I'm going to throw stones back. Yeah. But then he says, what does he say? But Lord knows I ain't perfect and it ain't my place. 
And I don't think Jesus done it that way. So now what has he done? He's learned from the mercy of our Lord. And now when he's being confronted with the same judgment that he wanted to give to himself, but experienced the loving mercy of the father. Now when the world is judging him and he's given the opportunity to either fight back or forgive, he chooses as he's reflecting on what Jesus would have done, what Jesus did do is to forgive those who are trying to throw stones at him. And he looks at, in a certain way, he looks to the crucifix as a model. Yeah. And I think that's what that last line is. I, right? And he's right. So are y'all sure that Jesus done it that way? Are y'all sure, in, in other words, that Jesus responded by throwing stones back at such injustice? Oh, that's what you think? That's what I think. But Jesus didn't throw stones back. That's right. He didn't. I think he's asking, are you guys serious that Jesus actually went to the cross? Like, is that uh, actually what you're telling me about our God? Yeah. That that's how he behaved? Exactly. So that's, I mean, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, are y'all okay. sure that Jesus done it that way? It's like, y'all want me to react violently back to you all. Mm-hmm. But I've heard this message of a savior who was killed unjustly mm-hmm. and didn't throw stones back. Yeah. Are y'all sure he done it that way? It's almost like, that's incredible. Like, yeah, in the it sense is. Of like, yeah, it's it, unbelievable. It, yeah, like, and almost. So, and that's, that's, I guess, what I'm trying, trying to say here is like, he's almost at all here. It's like, wait a second. This, this boy that was told by his pastor, that was told by his family, that was told by his friends, that died for me on the cross unjustly may have actually done it. Mm-hmm. Because at this, at this stage in his life, the insults were coming. Yeah, and what... What's crazy now is that now the rubber meets the road because now it's not just a story. Now it's like I have to choose how to respond to these people who want to throw stones at me. Right. And so now the story that I was told as a kid about this man who died for me and rose from the dead, it's like- That's you, buddy. That's like, exactly. Yeah. And I have to, like, are, are you telling me this really happened? Because if it didn't, I'm throwing stones back. But if, but it, if did, it did, that demands of me to act a certain way. Then I have to forgive. If it did happen- and that means in order to be reconciled with God, I also have to reconcile myself, myself with my fellow man, which is love the Lord your God with your whole heart, whole mind, all your soul and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. These are the two greatest commandments. Love. And they're, and they're inseparable. Yeah, love Love is patient, love is kind. Yeah. And, and this is this is a Christian message, brothers and sisters. I mean, this is, as Morgan Wallen is trying to lay out here, what the lyrics are trying to point to are something that I think are deeply human. And one of the reasons I think Joey and I wanted to do it, we read it and we're like, yo, he's, he's a good writer. And I think he has a lot of substance. Yeah. To, this is really to what we're talking about. Deep stuff. And, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, dude. So I just say before we close to our listeners, maybe you're, um, maybe you're listening to this and you're like that prodigal son or you're like Morgan Wallen and you've chased the pleasures of the world, the things that the world promised would bring you fulfillment and happiness and joy. And you've experienced them and they're leaving you empty and alone and isolated. And, um, you're hearing the faint echoes of that voice within your heart telling you that you were created for more. You're created for love and mercy and forgiveness and that you are loved, but that that demands conversion and repentance. Um, we're here to tell you that that's all true, that you are loved, that you are a beloved son, a beloved daughter of the father, and that all you need to do is to turn back to him in humility on your knees like Morgan Wallen did. And you don't necessarily have to wait till he takes you to rock bottom. You can start now. Um, it's Lent's coming. I'm thinking of Lent. Yeah, whole, it's coming up, man. The, whole, the first reading that we're going to hear in the season of Lent is from the prophet Joel, 
even now, turn back to the Lord with all your heart. Even now, even today, you can do it today. Yeah. Um, and I do. I do want to hop on as my last point please, that please. you talked about earlier was that, um, while the lyrics of Morgan Wallen are beautiful, even our kind of philosophical and theological reflections are an attempt to kind of expound some of these these themes. It's not just about the abstract or admiring the truths and beauty of the lyrics and, mm. and whatever we have to share. It's about following. It's about yeah. following our Lord. And you will find, intimately so, that our Lord is the answer mm-hmm. and that our Lord demands of us, out of love, proper action, proper judgment, mercy and justice mm-hmm. in the way that we conduct ourselves as created by a creator who loves surpassing all of our capacity to love. Yes. But still giving us the capacity to love even now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, man, that's all I got for this. Well, that was a really good conversation. I think so. I hope y'all liked it guys. I hope that uh, y'all took something away from Morgan Wallen. I hope y'all became fans of him. Uh, we can hope- we can we recommend his stuff outright? Or is there a is lot there, of times like when we enter when we yeah. do a Kanye song, we're like, we're not necessarily recommending that you go listen to Kanye. Is he pretty solid all around? Or? Um, he has some songs. I mean, like any country singer, you know, some of them are good and just reflecting on life and talking about dogs and beer and whiskey. And then others um, are probably a little more promiscuous. So as as with any artist, we probably you know review on this channel. Be cautious. Be cautious. Um, but uh, but this particular song, I think, is yeah, we recommend to you. Obviously, listen to this one. I'm going to listen to this one again. Nice. Yeah. And then I'm going to go listen to Chris Stapleton sing that national anthem. It was incredible. I told you, dude. I told you. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning into this episode. We hope that you learned something and this brought you closer to our Lord. Guys, if you have any recommendations for future songs, let us know. There's a few on the list, um, but we're we're accepting more. And this is the one that we chose as of recently. Yeah. Cool, guys. We got some cool shows coming up, too. We do. Stay tuned. We got some guests coming up, and we're excited to reveal those to you in the very near future. But for today, thank you all for tuning in, and God bless.